This is Pandemic Buzz, a place where resilience practitioners gather to listen to insights from crisis management, business continuity, and crisis communications professionals. I'm your host, Devin Sermenis, a managing director at Widow Bryant's, a firm solely dedicated to supporting clients to prepare, respond, and recover from devastating events. Throughout this series, you'll hear from subject matter experts from a variety of industries and geographies. The intent is to share insights and best practices that you can adopt during these unusual times, or at the very minimum, some human elements that will further connect us as we adapt to new routines both at work and at home. Hi, Mandy. Thanks for joining Pandemic Buzz this afternoon. Thanks. Good to be here, and thanks for having me. Can you introduce yourself to our listeners, including who you are, your title, and what your organization does? Sure. Uh, my name is Mandy Shuker, and I am with CFA Institute, which is a global association uh, professional body for investment industry professionals. And I work in crisis management and enterprise risk management. So I have the luck of having view to both of those programs, both how we identify risk and how we respond. So under the pandemic scenario, we find ourselves living and working in today. How's your company sustaining operations and what business continuity strategies have you invoked, such as work from home, shifting capacity to other offices, strategies such as that? Sure. Yes. Like so many others, we are globally working from home at present. Um, I'm very glad to say that the transition was made much easier because we had some continuity measures already in place to provide remote working capabilities for some of our more, more crucial customer-facing and externally connected functions, our contact center and such. As working remotely is becoming more of a plateau or steady state at this point, we're also examining where existing capacity can be shifted within the organization. I'm sure all organizations have something of a business cycle that moves in peaks and valleys. Um, and as events and activities have been postponed or reconfigured in the current environment. We're finding that there are some areas of the organization that aren't facing their usual workloads. So how can we leverage those resources to address places where unexpected increases and in peaks in workload are coming up? That's, uh, that's one of the ways we've been addressing the, the current situation. What's next is possibly more important than what's now. With whom do you work and how do you determine what's next? So you're not always responding and reactive. You're moving into a, a proactive stance. That is such an important focus in a situation like this, that what is next and how do we become proactive? In this situation, I'm sure everyone is experiencing the information, good and bad, is coming from every direction. News, social media, our colleagues, our connections, our families and our friends, everyone is just inundated with information 24-7. So it's been really critical to distill from that ocean of information what's the most reliable and, and critical sources. Typically, that's going to be government and health authority sites and communications and, of course, digests and alerts that we get about global updates. We also have to leverage our internal stakeholder network and our external stakeholder network. We have offices in 10 locations around the world, so we need to make sure that we're receiving information and updates from our local teams and bringing them to the table to keep the information flowing in all directions. I also think right now industry-related communications and forums reports, roundtables are really useful, whether it's, you know, LinkedIn is a great source. Uh, this podcast series, like the one that you're putting together, 
online and virtual forums. They're all raising questions, sharing experiences across industries. And whether it's risk or resilience or crisis communications, it's the right time right now to share and receive insights and listen to differing viewpoints so that we fill in the gaps in our own programs, our processes, and even even our thinking. So those are the sources that have been really useful. Did you guys officially stand up any kind of like business continuity council or crisis management team to manage everything going on with the pandemic? Oh, absolutely. Uh, more than one. You know, this we were very fortunate that we had, um, maybe fortunate isn't the right word. I'm very proud to say that we had a really good crisis management program in place. And we had just recently adapted it to account for our regional structure so that we could, again, get that regional perspective and allow for regional management of incidents. And not only the current coronavirus situation, which you know didn't start globally all at the same time, it emerged across the different regions, but even the... Um, social unrest disruptions in Hong Kong last year, it proved really essential to have a regional incident management team that was able to formulate and have access to all of the resources they might need across the organization to manage that. So we do have regional teams and then a, a global crisis management team, and we're convening those on a at least a weekly basis right now. Is it too early to look at how you're going to bring everybody back to the offices? That's kind of a new theme that I'm trying to track across the organizations and clients that I'm talking to. No, I don't think it's too early at all, particularly, again, as we have a global footprint. Um, we need to think about it not only from a reconstituting operations standpoint, but there are so many dependencies about bringing people back into the office after this kind of situation. So what does their you know commute look like? Are they able to maintain social distancing? Are they comfortable? Do they still have you know, children at home that they need to care for, or other family members or um, personal situations that need to be addressed, even if the government says we're ready to open offices in, uh, in a certain location? So we are definitely engaged in that proactive planning and, and looking at how we address those issues and make sure that we're still putting our people's safety and well-being first. Yeah, you touched upon a little bit uh, how you're organized to manage the crisis, but also during times like these, who are the best people to surround yourself with uh, from a technical and or personality-wise uh, perspective, meaning leadership styles, business chemistry, how you get along and, and work as a collaborative team? Absolutely. I I'd like to think it's the same people we should always aim to keep in our active network and be in regular communication with, but it's just more important during times like these. We certainly need to be in two-way communication with leaders and business function owners across the organization and across the globe right now so that we make sure our paths forward are aligned and we avoid becoming myopic in, in any of our views and approaches. It's easy to end up feeling or, or being presented with the mindset that crisis management or risk management owns all of the work right now. But without insight from our business partners in legal, HR, IT, communications, uh, across the board, really, we can't effectively do our work in a vacuum and neither can they. So keeping those regular touch points is essential and that gives us access to their networks and what they're hearing and what they're seeing as far as trends across um, their their different focus points. And of course, keeping communication open and continuous within our own teams is really critical right now on multiple fronts. Not only do we have to make sure we're focusing our efforts on what's important and driving our successful navigation of the situation, but we also need to make sure on a personal level that everyone is surviving and even thriving where possible. So I, I think it's you know, important more than ever to keep those networks alive and, and be listening as much as delivering information across them. What changes have you had to make to HR or corporate policies to care for your staff as the pandemic stretches out? 
Well, I'm grateful that our organization has been focused on caring for people from the get-go. Our cultural values as an organization include trust and inclusion. And I think that speaks to a mindset of constantly trying to view the whole person. We're incorporating messages of self-care and awareness of that human factor of this situation into all of our communications and actions. And it's really been about flexibility and keeping in touch. So we've recommunicated and emphasized the availability of remote and virtual health and mental health and wellness care resources, which is so important right now, so that we make sure our people can stay healthy, address any concerns proactively, but also maintain you know, social distancing or stay-at-home orders. And it's important to remember that there are multiple challenges that staff may face working remotely for a prolonged period. Of course, you know, childcare, remote learning and homeschooling. I have a sixth grader that I have been, I think, at times more and less successful in helping her to <laughs> accomplish remote learning in this new environment, which, you know, it's totally new at that age. Luckily, she's very technology engaged, so that makes my job easier. But we have to keep in mind what all of those things will look like when businesses do start to reopen. And other dependent care considerations. If there's a family member that becomes ill or if you're caring for someone who has additional needs, those things, you know, they don't go away as soon as these uh, regulatory changes are made when we start lifting the stay-at-home orders and reopening businesses. People may also have members of their household who are still working in essential services and continue to be exposed at a greater level on a daily basis. And so that's something to be cognizant of and, and conscientious of as well. And the last thing that I'll say, I, I think that I've not heard a lot of talk about this on the broader level, but not everyone is in a comfortable home environment. So working remotely for this long period can actually be putting additional duress on certain people. And one of the important parts, you know, we keep uh, encouraging all of our leaders across the organization to make sure that they're actually getting in a little bit of FaceTime over these virtual meeting platforms to really be able to sort of check in with one another and, and make sure that someone isn't under that additional kind of stress or needs more support. Yeah, those are great perspectives covering kind of a broad range of work at home environments that uh, employees will find themselves within. So the world is not all work, especially from the work from home situation. What should we be doing to be taking care of ourselves? What kind of new items have you incorporated into your daily routine? That's a that's a great question. I think, you know, health, of course, not just avoiding the the coronavirus situation, but just keeping up your own health is important right now. Mental health, which can be significantly impacted by all of this social isolation. And, you know, I certainly there are weeks when I realize I haven't even left the house for four or five days. And that takes a toll. Um, and then connection, right? So staying in touch, not only with our coworkers, but with our greater network of friends and family who we can't be with in person right now is really important. I've been trying to focus some time every week on on that kind of connection as well. I think bringing a focus on positivity where you can while avoiding any sort of toxic positivity is really important. So even with work meetings, trying to start with, you know, what's something that you got to do today or this week that you wouldn't have gotten to do if we weren't all working from home or something along those lines so that you can really bring out good things to focus on in this in this not so positive environment. And then make yourself step away, at least intermittently. Uh, the lines between work and personal life are so blurred right now, it's really important to set those boundaries. And I think in our lines of work, the boundaries will be broken from time to time, certainly. Mm -hmm. But having them in place uh, to try and reinforce, you know, getting some exercise in and some time with family, it's really important. 
And that talks a little bit about self-care. What are you doing to best take care of your client base, your members? I, I think the best thing that we can and continue to do as an organization is to not only attend to the needs of our members and candidates right now during the response to the pandemic, but also to keep in sight how the world is changing and will continue to change because of this experience. And what will our clients, our, our candidates and our members want and need in the future? And how do we serve our constituency in that future state? Um, I think that's true across the board, but as a nonprofit organization with a huge membership body, it's especially important for us that we make sure that we are serving the needs of today and tomorrow in what, in everything that we do. And communication, again, I feel like I've said that 10 times already, but it really is so important right now in both directions. And it might even be a really good time to focus on listening more than we have in the past as organizations to what our client bases are needing. So what are ways you can approach growth that are tolerated and accepted during times where everyone's consumed with coronavirus response? You know, I think in our organization's case, you know, we, our mission is to, uh, to serve, to lead and serve the investment profession globally. And we need to continue to focus on how we do that. And again, incorporating what is our economic situation on the local and global level going to look like as we come out of this current crisis? What are our stakeholders going to need and want as far as services and, and support coming out of this situation? You know, I, I don't think as an organization, we ever are pursuing growth for growth's sake. We pursue growth through delivering value to our constituency. So just making sure that we continue to focus on that and to serve their needs as individuals and as people during this particular time is critical. Now that everybody's working from home, do you see an uptick on efforts to move through the four-year timeline to get their CFA in place or um, other aspects that are actually beneficial to this kind of environment? I think it's a little early to tell on the actual progression through the CFA program, but as far as leveraging some of our virtual and online resources for continued professional development, certainly we've seen a lot more traffic in that area than we typically do. So that that is one of those silver linings is that we have been able to deliver more value virtually. We've, we've risen to that challenge, as I think a lot of organizations have in this situation, and I'm hoping that will present us some real opportunities as we move forward to to continue to connect more deeply and more regularly with our candidates and our members across the globe. Yeah, I'd agree. We're seeing that across the services industry, too, in terms of we're here and available and our clients are really exploring deep conversations with us to get down to a very expertise level. So being there and that kind of support, I think, just strengthens the relationships that you have and, and positions you as a really good support mechanism for them. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it was you know, it was only in the recent past, and I don't know, I'm, I'm getting on in years, so the recent past in my mind is, is perhaps longer than it might be in others, but that we added the words for the ultimate benefit of society to our mission statement. Nice. And that's really, if we can continue to serve that piece of our mission statement, I, I think the growth will naturally follow. That's, that's a smart addition. So if you look back at recent history across these types of crises, what type of corporate personality or behaviors are remembered? Who are the companies and what do they do that no one else thought of doing? And I'll give you an example. Uh, recently, I think PepsiCo kind of announced they didn't want their employees at all levels being worried at all if they needed to self-quarantine while they were waiting for test results, if they were quarantined because they had uh, COVID-19, or if they were home taking care of loved ones. So they let everyone know their policies had morphed and changed so that everyone would get paid and there wouldn't be an economic concern. 
Can you think of any other examples out there that you're seeing in society? Sure. Well, I think the theme is what you just talked about, which is caring for people and your community, um, whether that's your local community or, or a broader community. I think those are the things that are remembered and that make a really positive impact during these times. That that was a great example. We're seeing lots of manufacturing organizations and, and other organizations that can pivot to providing personal protective equipment and you know hand sanitizer and sort of the essential things that are needed uh, the most and and have been in short supply during the the onset of the pandemic. Another example that springs to my mind is, you know, public schools in our area and and across the board pretty much at this point across the US anyway are closing down and for many parts of those populations those are the guaranteed meals that certain, you know, students and, and maybe even uh, staff get on a daily basis. And so I've seen at least locally, and I think it's happening, you know, across the board, a desire by the school systems to ensure that they're still meeting that need. So how can they deliver you know, nutrition to the people who need it the most, even while the schools are closed? And I think those are really the kinds of things that stick in my mind as far as what can we do to not just support our business or our organization, but our greater community during this time. If the situation goes worst case, what do you wish your company would have done? And this is kind of a real-time lessons learned question. You know, I, I really have been quite proud of the way that we've navigated this particular situation. So I don't know that we would do anything differently. But as far as lessons learned, I think one of the things that we've had to do is incorporate a constant lessons learned and improvement uh, loop into our processes as we've been addressing the situation. So how can we quickly learn from anything that we might find trouble with in our first go and, and quickly incorporate that into how we move forward? We are an organization that holds a lot of events on an annual basis somewhere in the vicinity of 200. And that, of course, has been a challenge in this environment. But we've very quickly been able to define how can we pivot some of these to virtual delivery? How can we deliver the, the same content in a different way and still serve the needs of our, our constituency. And so then taking that and, and leveraging that to a broader part of the organization as far as how do we manage virtual delivery, how do we start considering that as sort of our, our first and best option to quickly get what's needed to the people who need it um, has been one great example of that. Yeah, I saw online that you were moving a 73rd annual conference to a virtual conference. I thought that was quite intriguing from keeping the the span of days as well as the volume of, of uh, beneficial content on there. Yes, that's been one of one of the big lifts. We also um, host a research challenge globally. It, it starts at the re local and regional level and then becomes a global competition annually. And we've because of how things were evolving, we had had to start pivoting those events to virtual and that's bringing students together and a number of technology challenges that are probably outside of my technology wheelhouse. But our teams really took that on and conquered those and were able to still provide that experience to those students. So you mentioned some sources uh, at the beginning of the interview, but if you think very specifically from social, traditional media, personal networks, et cetera, uh, what sources are providing the most useful updates to you at this time that's helping guide your company's strategy for the pandemic? You know, I think it's really, again, leveraging networks is is huge and uh, monitoring directly, you know, communications and uh, news and media sites connected to government and health authorities to just 
stay most critically up to date on what's what's happening. But leveraging those networks has really been great for the forward-looking component, uh, whether it's myself leveraging a crisis management or enterprise risk or resilience network to think about how we need to build the considerations that are coming up every day right now into our ongoing forward-looking risk management strategy or you know our colleagues in other areas of the business looking at how do we handle extended work from home situations how do we move forward in an environment where travel may not look anything like it did before uh, those sorts of considerations just leveraging those those networks of people who are going through the same thing has been really critical Mandy, thank you so much for being a guest on Pandemic Buzz and more importantly, for filling this episode uh, with such great and useful content. Well, thank you. I'm excited to participate and I'm really grateful that, uh, that Widow O'Brien's is putting these together. So thank you. Thanks again for listening to Pandemic Buzz. Please like and share this podcast with your colleagues and be sure to catch our next episode.